Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean episode. I have no idea because it's cut off on my screen. Hello, everyone. I'm excited to be here. Excited to be live on our public channels. Usually this is reserved. This series is reserved for our mapped members in our private Facebook group. But every first of the month, every Monday, first Monday of the month, we are live to our public channels as well. I'm joined by Dr. Scott Wright, former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, retired executive director of TMDSAS, the application service that trumps all application services, (laughs) uh, and is opening here really soon. We are in application season. Welcome, everyone, to the most stressful time of the year. Yes. (sighs) The Christmas songs is like, it's the most wonderful time, right? application season worse right it's the opposite of that so um rachel grubbs co-founder of mapped how are you doing my friend i'm fabulous i'm glad to be here it's um i can tell by the amount of times i've been tagged in facebook that the stress levels are high (laughs) and that's okay i'm here to help you are here to help and i love the widescreen look when you go full screen you can see the mapped artwork in the background there look at that there we go woohoo before we jump in and start a- uh, answering tons of questions, I want to take just a, m- a moment to show you Mapped. If you haven't checked out Mapped yet, and it's not called MapD, it's not called MDF, it's called Mapped without any. Um, I want I want you to check out Mapped. I want to show you Mapped because today is actually the last day that we are in beta. We'll still have beta features moving forward, but the application, our, our application as a whole, Mapped application will be out of beta tomorrow, which means our beta pricing is going away and it's increasing by a dollar, a dollar a month um, or $10 for the year. So I'm gonna share with you my screen real quick and show you what Mapped looks like. Now this is our dashboard after you enter in a bunch of information. I was on a, a webinar last night. People are like, how do you calculate your GPA? Well, Mapped makes it really easy. And you get some cool graphs, right? This is a great graph of someone who really struggled and then had a bunch of great upward trend. You can see uh, all the different application services because they do calculate them a little bit differently. If you click on more details, we have some different graphs that shows you just the same information in different ways to help you see where you're going. This is one of our favorite graphs, this class standing GPA graph. Because this shows you, right, uh, the power of an upward trend. You start off not so great, and then you improve, 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 improve. And that 3.23 doesn't look super solid, but when you actually see the story behind those numbers, it tells a much better story. One of our newest features is our roadmap, where based on my start date for medical school, which is 2023 here in the profile, or 2022 rather, if I change it to 2023, I can then show you the roadmap updates automatically. 
And uh, the first few boxes are general kind of big time chunks. And then we start getting into smaller and smaller time chunks for when you should take the MCAT, when you should start getting your letters of recs and researching schools and working on your personal statement. And oh, my primary applications all the way down to your white coat. Um, one of the best things is we have over 4 million data points of courses here in our database. And this uh, new thing you can see is this specific feature is in beta. And what this is, is when you enter a, let's say a physics course, you search for physics, and let's find uh, physical chemistry laboratory. Let's try that. It's going to match chemistry because chemistry is the last word. I figured that out the other day, Rachel. If, if uh, it has a couple different keywords, although physics wasn't in there, chem uh, chemistry was. Um, if it said physics and chemistry, I think it matches that last word. But anyway, mm -hmm. uh, you can see it automatically checked, fulfills prereq for chemistry and it automatically checked the science boxes there for all three application services. If I did calculus, you'll see here, it would mark math for prereq. It still auto selects science for Texas and the MD AMCAS application, but unchecked the DO application because math does not count as a science. And so hopefully a better way, easier way for students to track all of their stuff. You can track all of your activities in here can keep journal entries so you know when it comes time to applying, you remember what you did two years ago, three years ago. Mapped is a tool that you should be using as soon as you know you want to be a doctor, as soon as you are a pre-med. You can track all of your MCAT exams, practice, and full length. Um, so if it's a practice test, we have all the practice tests in there. Uh, we actually need to add the new one now that Med School Coach has a practice exam as well. And then one of the best features, which is still um, currently being tweaked, we had a big update a, a couple weeks ago and one update coming out tomorrow that is going to make this easier for us, um, where we can push you feedback based on the data that you give us. So you can see these first couple ones are just some information pushes about National Pre-Med Day, which is coming up. Uh, West Coast Health Professions Conference. But then we can also s give you specific feedback based on the data that you give us. And there's no examples here other than the shadowing one that says, hey, you have 50 hours of shadowing. Congrats, here's some information. But we can give you feedback that says, hey, your, your GPA, your first 20 credit hours or your GPA isn't on the trajectory it needs to be on. Here's some advice, some feedback for you. You can invite your advisor. If you have an advisor at your school, you can invite them. You can invite your mentor or someone so they can look at your data in a read-only matter um, and give you some feedback as well. Keep track of your contacts, your letters of rec writers. Work on your applications. So we have this fancy um, kind of app application simulator now showing you what each of the different application services is looking for. Um, and then you can work on your essays inside of MAPS. So you can see the AMCAS application has lots of potential applications that may require you to write something. You come in here and you can write your essays as much as you want. And you can build your school list. So this is just the beginning. We have a lot more coming to MAPS, but this is what I wanted to show you. Again, it's um, it's $6.99 right now. If you go to mapped.com, uh, you can log in and try it for free and it's a free 14 day trial. 
and you get it for $6.99 a month right now. That's all I got. Nice. Thank you for that thorough tour. Um, all right. Well, we have got a lot of questions in the comments, so let's jump in with, uh, with what is on the pre-med consciousness. Hi, my spring transcript last class of postback isn't being released until mid-May. Can I send in my transcript without the last class or should I wait? Wait. 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yep. Wait. That's easy. Won't hurt you. What are your thoughts on applying to 40 plus medical schools? Will it increase my chances of getting in and getting a better scholarship? So the chances of getting a scholarship <laughs> at all nothing today yeah. is, is slim to none. It has nothing to do with the number of schools that you apply to. It's all based on who you are. Um, but so I, I don't know the answer to this. Someone tried to say that stati like mathematical statistics is you, you multiply the probability of each thing happening if they're independent things, and that gives you uh, your chances of getting into medical school. So technically, the more schools you apply to, the better your chances. And I just call hogwash on that, right? I, do, I agree. Uh, each, each school that you apply to is an independent thing that has nothing to do with any other school. So, yeah. Anyway. I agree. I agree. On and on. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I don't know that there's any correlation between the number of schools you apply to because some people apply to one school and they get in or, you know, three schools and they get in or whatever. And so, yeah. you know, so I, I don't think that that has anything to do with it. Yeah. I mean, there's no harm. It's time and money. Those are the two yep. things that yep. uh, that are the biggest pain for applying to a lot of schools. Time to do secondaries and lots and lots of money. Yep. Yeah. All right. Do you think undergrad university plays a large role in admissions? Does coming from a less prestigious state school hurt my chances when I'm in the same pool of applicants from prestigious schools? This is the, the common... Is the grass greener on the other side? Because right. I didn't go to Harvard and I went to UMass. Is that going to hurt me? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think medical schools try to evaluate where a student's coming from, not only the, the school, but also the major, the courses within the major that they've taken. All of those have an impact on the rigor of their curriculum. But all in all, I don't think I don't think that medical schools look um, at different uh, schools, you know, at, at undergraduate schools in a way that's going to affect how they are going to uh, evaluate them necessarily. So, for example, uh, when I was at UT Southwestern Med School, we had a class of just over two hundred, and sometimes we had up to seventy-five or even eighty-five. Uh, different undergraduate institutions amongst those 200 students. So we had, we had kids coming from very well-known, high-end institutions, Ivy League stuff. We had students coming from regional state universities. We had students coming from tiny little liberal arts colleges. You know, all you, you name it, they were coming from those schools and they got yep. in. So, Who you um, are, not the name on your diploma. That's correct. Yeah, very, very minimal impact, if mm -hmm. at all. Yep. All right. 
Should I state my sex slash gender identity or sexual orientation slash ethnicity on AMCAS? What about parental income? How would a decline to state be viewed? Interesting question. So I see this sometimes during my application renovations of students who decline to, to answer the question. I don't know if, Scott, does, does TMDSAS let you decline to answer those questions? Yes. Yeah. And and what is the impact of declining to state? I don't think there's much of an impact in, yeah. in, de- in declining. And I, I just think that, you know, some students want to just not declare for whatever reason they don't want to declare. And yeah. so um, I, I don't think it, I, I don't think it ne- negatively impacts an application, nor does it positively. I, I think it's a no. Yeah. It's a my, flat. my general understanding of those questions, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong for, for TMDSAS, but my general um, uh, kind of assumption of those questions is, is that they are more research-based. They're yeah. just, to go into yeah. a database so somebody can have some data points later on if they want to research that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and and there there are certain state and federal reporting requirements on ethnicity and and gender and and you know uh, certain things that that we do have that the state schools especially have to report on to the state. Yeah. Uh, so it, it affects those, but that's aggregate stuff, and so um, yeah, so I, I don't think it would be viewed. Uh, poorly if if this student declined uh, to answer those questions kansas my pie <laughs> what a great username <laughs> yep all right i don't know if kansas is a verb there like i don't know what you're doing to your pie if you can't know right joe v says how much do adcoms in your experience take into account the timeline of ecs with gpa trends for example i officially quit a full-time job in 2017 at the same time there's a spike there is a spike in ECs and GPA. Okay. So they quit a job and they did more ECs and their GPA went up. Uh-huh. Do, you, do you think that adcoms are sitting there with like little cutouts of GPA and, and jobs and ECs and mm-hmm. moving them around going, what, what happened where and cause and effect? And Well, I do. No, I mean, I do think that sometimes admissions committees will look at an an application and they will see, okay, for example, you know, a student that has a a three point, maybe let's say a a lower than, you know, what the student might want to see, you know, let's say they have a three, three GPA, but it becomes clear to the admissions committee that they were were working full time or had several part-time jobs and, and uh, that there was, you know, a lot, they were putting themselves through school and their family income was low and a, a very large percentage of their costs were coming from themselves. They were putting themselves through. Or another example is if they were a varsity athlete and, uh, you know, a lot of commit, a lot of time commitment to that, but it's got good benefits in terms of team building and leadership skills and discipline and stuff like that. So, um, so I think adcoms will look at those and, and try to evaluate them within the context of everything else that the student is doing. So, and another good example are the, the service academies, how, you know, they, they just got, you know, tons of stuff to do. So (laughs) just a thing or two. (laughs) All right. How to write honor slash recognition section on on AMCAS if we are grouping many of them together? Is listing okay, or how could we incorporate a story with this section? 
Well, I have a book, the pre-med playbook guide to the medical school application process, uh, which, which talks about how to write these sections. Show it again. Now that we've got you on solo. Solo. Is that the actual real no, book? No, this is the pretend one. Oh, okay. <laughs> my, my real book has shipped though. So I should potentially have it for next, uh, ask the Dean. Okay. Um, good. They, they're, they're finally printing. Uh, Right. We, we talk about this all the time, Scott, right? is is the activity section is your ability to show what you've been doing with your time, the kind of impact that you've had on this world and in each of the activities. And for honors, awards, recognitions, there's really not much impact that you can show there. So a story or something that's just not really necessary. Just in my mind, just list those things. Yes. And he agrees. <laughs> He's frozen. <laughs> All right, Hello. let's move on. Okay, uh, he'll come back to us. He'll let's come back. see. Yeah. Who's next? Some of you repeat question askers, I'm giving other people a chance first, okay? So don't be offended. <laughs> what is your opinion on people applying who have relatively low clinical experience hours but believe they understand the profession and its pitfalls due to having an MD in the family and shadowing. Head shake no. from Dr. Wright. No, huge head shake. <laughs> no, I don't don't like it. I, I don't think, number one, I don't think that just because your dad or your mom is a, is a, is a doctor that you, that that gives you a, 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 a that it automatically checks the box for you. So I think that what the medical schools are looking for is a commitment, a level of commitment. Yeah. It says I'm, I'm committed to doing this and I'm committed to seeing more than just, you know, the, the way that you put it, and this may not be your, your, your reason uh, for the question asker. It, it, it smacks of sort of checkbox. Well, I checked that box because I, my dad's a doctor. I checked that box because my mom's a surgeon. So I don't have to do all that stuff. Uh, I think they want to see the commitment on your part. They want to see, you know, they want to see that you're, you're getting clinical experience with, with patients full time or, you know, with patients in, in, in a, in a setting that, that gives you a sense of how are you working in this environment? Not just yeah. how, you know, not just seeing mom and mom or dad doing it. Yeah. I, I actually think it's the opposite where, uh, on AMCAS and I'm assuming on, on TMDSAS and ACOMAS, I, I forget off the top of my head where, where you put like, what is mom's profession? What is dad's mm -hmm, profession? Mm -hmm. As soon as I see mom's a doctor, dad's a doctor, I go red flag. I hope mm -hmm. this student has done enough of their own research right. at not, not research in the technical term of research, but research as in, exploring healthcare to to see if it's what they want to do yeah. not just what mommy or daddy do and therefore i want to be a doctor yeah, that's right and, and 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 mom or dad being a doctor has nothing to do with what clinical experience is about clinical experience is do you like being around patients not do you understand what medicine is about that's more the right, shadowing, that's shadowing right so yeah um yeah, I mean, 100% agree. There's a big difference between, uh, you know, I understand that women release feces in labor, and I was there while it happened, and I made sure she didn't feel ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, it, it, I pick an example like that because that's the kind of reality we're talking about. And, like, yep. you know, patients right. aren't always kind. Patients aren't always grateful. 
Um, you know, you have to really know how to keep your cool and still love what you're doing when it's really hard. And that's what clinical experience is about, is making sure that you're really in it for the, for all of the good reasons, warts and all, you know? Yeah. 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 OBGYN, one of the only specialties that'll get the ceiling dirty. Yep. <laughs> not, not the only one, but one of them. <laughs> one, one, <Yeah>. one of them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's keep on checking. I have a bachelor's degree of mechanical engineering from Texas A&M, GPA 3.74, August 2020. Would it be okay to take all MCAT prereqs at community college due to financial problems? Thanks. Great question. They actually gave good context around what what is big picture. Big picture, their stats look pretty good. Scott, what do you think? Um, I think they could get most of the prereqs at community college. Biochemistry is a prereq for some schools, particularly TMDSS, that community colleges are not going to offer as it's an upper-level course. So you, you you may have to pick uh, biochem up at a, at a four-year institution. But, um, you know, I don't see a problem with that. I mean, I think uh, – if you're if you're clear with your interviewers, for example, and if, if a question came up and you said, "Hey, financially, I just had to do it this way," and so, yeah. Uh, by the way, three point seven four in an engineering major. I mean, that's Is, no joke. Yeah, that's tough. Good, good job. Absolutely, Texas A&M, absolutely. though. I mean, it's no Florida. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only Texas school I can rag on because they're SEC. Oh, you lost eye contact from Scott. That's how bad this is. <laughs> All right, let's go. Move on. <laughs> I'm just going to stare out the window from, from now on. Oh, wait, it's a TMDSAS. Uh, we need you. <laughs> I will be applying TMDSAS this cycle. Can I change my letters of rec after I submit my application? I might add switch out one of my LORs for um, my extracurriculars. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Yep. yep. So, so just a, a clarification. So uh, on all the application services, LORs are something that you can change after. Mm-hmm. There's one special thing about AMCAS that I typically talk about where AMCAS lets you pick and choose which schools get which letters. But TMDSAS, as far as I know, and ACOMAS do yep. not. Every letter Everything, every school. That's right. Okay. That is correct. How does medical admissions look at hard undergraduate classes like physical chemistry? Isn't that just like gen chem? Physical no, P-chem is no. a little different. P-chem's, yeah, that's, that's upper level chemistry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I, the more general question is like, how do they, do they look at your course load and, you know. Do they care? Well, I mean, I think like, so for example, if you made a D in physical chemistry, yeah, that would be a problem. I mean, you, and you can't just use the excuse. Well, it was hard. It was hard. <laughs> so you well, know, do you I think med school is going to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's exactly the point. Is that yeah. you know, med med school is going to be ten times harder than anything you're doing in undergrad. So I think that you know, you just have to. Um, they will look at that, but I think that they're, they're not going to give a whole lot of wiggle room if you don't do well in the class, mm-hmm. or if you fail the, you know, God forbid, you fail the class and. Uh, green soccer is phlebotomy a high quality clinical experience so the question first is what is a high quality clinical experience scott in in your mind in adcom world what is a high quality clinical experience high touch high patient contact touch so you know any 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 patient contact job with a cna or whether it's a a uh, 
you know, some scribes can can do elements of that. Better example is a uh, MA is a medical assistant. Uh, pretty high, pretty high touch. Yeah. So, uh, but phlebotomy, I, I think, can be pretty high touch. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, you're dealing directly with the patients. You're sticking them with needles, and so <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, just not randomly, but yeah, right. like in their veins. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, one one would assume, and and it's always been that way with me when I get blood taken or whatever. That you know, they're they're talking to you. They're trying to you know, be nice and, and happy and friendly and keep your mind off of what they're actually doing to you and things like that. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'd, I'd say, yeah. And and really, at the end of the day, the the biggest thing in my mind that makes it high quality, I think, I think was the, the term used, is what was the so what behind it, right, that we talked Absolutely. about all the time. How do you talk about it in your activity section to show the impact that it had on you or the impact that you had on it? Exactly. That's the, you got that spot on. I'm learning from you, Scott. I'm learning. I mean, I'm it's proud. taking me a while. I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, reapplicant. Should I ask new people for LORs or my previous writers to update theirs? The old writers knew me very well. Three out of five were most meaningful experienced supervisors and were elated to write me a LOR. Yeah, I think you can uh, you can use the same letter writers, just have them update, uh, or you could get you know you can mix and match. You have three of the same uh, from last year, and and then two new ones, or you know whatever, mix and match. But don't use old letters. That's the key. Uh, have have them update the letter, um, and and then you know, but, but you know you can use the same letter, the same writers. Love it. Rachel asks, I'm a non-trad with post-bac upward trend, but my last course was a B minus in physics due to medical issues. Should I convert to a pass for my upward trend to keep my upward trend or keep the B minus and explain it? Mm. I'd probably keep the B minus. I think... And explain it, you know, you, you can explain it in, in your application or whatever and uh, or in an interview. And uh, but I, I, I don't I think it might be a bigger red flag if you had a P, you know, everything else was graded. And then there's this one sole class with a P and it's like, what, what's up with that? Yeah. And, you know, the, the fear, it, the fear that students have, though, is the B minus may drop my GPA enough to where they're not even going to be able to ask me why, but a P is going to save my GPA and then they can ask me why I have a P. Well, yeah, it's a tricky, a tricky situation. Yeah, that is tricky. I mean, I, I could go either way on that. I honestly, I, I, I think I, I don't feel strongly about, about the B minus. Uh, I think, you know, you, that's a good point, Ryan, that you, either way you're going to have to kind of explain what the situation was. So. Yeah. Yeah, we actually have a couple questions around this, so I'll show another one just while we're sort of in the downward trend, or I mean, one B minus, I wouldn't call it downward trend, but while we're in that topic. Does a slight downward GPA trend matter if your stats are strong overall? For example, if you have a 3.7 plus science GPA, um, is a recent semester under 3.5 concerning? I would say no. I wouldn't worry about it. 
Nope, nope. <laughs> yeah. When, when we say downward, upward trends, like that's for low GPAs or lower GPAs. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. Okay. Like, why did you drop from a three nine to a three eight? That's a downward trend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, another Texas specialty one. Uh, how to how do you recommend TMDSAS applicants write out their activity descriptions given that there are less characters available than MCAS? Well, technically yeah. there are more. <laughs> <laughs> right, because you have unlimited uh, yeah. spaces. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, th that, there's the solution. Why didn't we think about this? And yeah. Scribe activity one of two. Scribe activity two of two. That's how <laughs> no, no, we get around no, this. No, 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 no. Don't take my joke seriously, guys. Let's no, let's no, stop telling no. the thing. So, so just, yeah. just uh, Scott, before you answer your oh. thoughts, AMCAS, 700 characters. A Comus, 600 characters. TMDSAS, wah, wah, 300 characters. Yep. I, I, I'm going to actually talk, try to talk them into increasing that next year uh, because it, it's a little ridiculous to have it, uh, have it that short. Okay. Um, but basically what you have to do is you just have to very quickly say, this is what I did. And I mean, you really don't even have time to tell a story. It's, it's just, it's so, it's so few characters. And I recommend that you don't use full sentences that you use, uh, phrases separated by semicolons or, uh, com, you know, semicolons, commas, use punctuation to separate the thoughts so that you can say, instead of saying, I served patients in by doing blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Just say, did serve. this, serve yeah. this, you know, yeah. and, and then you can say, I really, you know, I got out of it that patients aren't always happy, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So you have to really be very uh, succinct. And, and I, I think you don't, uh, don't do, don't mess around with, uh, with um, full on sentences because you're wasting so many characters with, you know, with, yeah. with by doing that. It's basically the opposite of what I tell you to do for Amcast and a code. Yeah, essentially. But that's, that's that's right. That's what they force you to do. So yeah, you can do right. about it. All right. Our buddy Dan Luca. How does the application timeline differ for a comus? So it really doesn't. The application is, is very similar. Amcast opened today, May 3rd. A comus opens tomorrow, May 4th. The biggest difference is you don't have to wait to submit until May 27th to submit a Comus. You can submit it as soon as uh, it's ready, which was the same as TMDSAS, but TMDSAS changed this year to, to have a slight delay yeah. for submission. Yeah. Other than that, the actual application cycle timeline is a little bit different. The DO cycle tends to be a little bit longer, yeah. offering interviews a little bit later and acceptances a little bit later. My guess for that, if, if I were just taking a wild guess on why they do that. I think they hold some interviews for students who applied only to MD schools first, didn't get any sort of traction interview wise and decided to put in a late application to, to DO schools. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just, that's my hypothesis. Yeah. yeah. How long do you think med schools will take online courses? My university is still mostly online next semester, but I know some schools are going back in person. 
You know, I kind of suspect it's going to be this whole cycle for sure. And, uh, and I think that uh, a lot of medical schools are going to be accepting online. I, I think it may, you know, my guess is that a lot of medical schools are going to see a, a lot of changes that they're going to make based on COVID things that they've done to, to, to adjust for COVID, they're going to keep with it. In other words, I see a lot of medical schools saying, okay, we saw that there were no differences in terms of online courses Mm -hmm. and stuff. So we're going to just go ahead and blanket, accept them. There's going to be med schools. They're going to say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do all virtual um, uh, interviewing, or we're going to offer the students the choice of whether they want to do it virtually or in person or, you know, so I I think there's going to be a lot of differences after this is all over. Yeah. Yeah. Be my, be my guess. Yeah, we're doing um, some research on this now to add to our med school database, and we're not done. So, like, I don't, it's not all posted and mapped yet, but the early stuff we've looked at is a mix. So, some schools are saying 2020 only, some are saying as long as the pandemic is going on, which, like, when do you define it ending? And then a few, the one I noticed that I thought was most remarkable is Hopkins is now just saying, any online ever. So they didn't just say 2020. They, when they said we're the first year, they said, we're going to do it this year. They were like, and going back, which, I mean, I think there's a lot of, um, that's fair. Yeah. Right. Like if online's okay, then it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so so the short answer is it varies. You need to research. Yeah. 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 Sorry. The silver lining from the, the pandemic is that it's, forcing admissions committees to reevaluate things and yep. and really ask themselves the questions. Why are we requiring what we require? Why do we ask students to do the things we ask them to do? Is it is it just because that's always the way it's been and we continue to do it? Do we really need this? And so I'm excited to, to see what the future of medical school admissions is. And I, I hope that it becomes better and more accessible for more students. Yeah, me too. Yep. Agreed. All right. For a 34-year-old non-trad coming from a finance career and currently enrolled in a do-it-yourself postback, how much would you how much would having zero research experience be considered a liability? My favorite. Uh, as in none. <laughs> no. <laughs> Scott, so what I, what I've been saying a lot, right, <laughs> lately is research is the most overrated yeah. part of the application process in the pre-med world. Yeah. Pre-meds are like, I didn't get in. It's because I don't have enough research. I'm like, eh, probably not. Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Even schools, I, I had a conversation with UCSF. It was a couple of years ago now. They're like, the, the biggest thing that we want students to know is that even though we're a big, heavy research institution, we, that's not the only thing we look for in application. We right. don't look for just for students who have a bunch of research. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right. Sorry, I was looking for someone who we haven't already answered because we're getting a lot of repeats. Do colleges see that I took 18 plus hours every semester in undergrad, kept it a 4.0, participated in rigorous research, and then I'm graduating a semester early. So basically, do colleges know that I'm a badass? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they do. Yep. They can see how many hours you took in a semester. They can see, you know, obviously they have a 4.0. They can see you're participating in research. Now your your description of it and if you're getting a letter from it is going to is going to 
you know, dictate how they see it as rigorous or not rigorous. And, and uh, I'm not sure exactly where, where, what that means in fact, but I, I think, I, I think I get what you're saying, but they're going to see all of that stuff and, yeah. and it will be meaningful to them. Yeah. Hopefully there's some extracurricular activities in there as yes. well outside of research, like yes. clinical experience and some shadowing. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, that's a very good point, Ryan. And I think what, what I would say about that is I've, I've seen these sort of, fast track students who are, you know, they're trying to graduate in three years and they're doing all this stuff and they're great students and all that, but they have no experience, no clinical experience whatsoever. I've seen that a lot too. I'm not sure why, but oftentimes the fast track students, yeah, I guess it's like they're so well informed about so many things and somehow miss the memo in clinical. Yeah. Yeah. Clinical matters. Yep. Yeah. No, it's because they they think I'm a 4.0 student. I have a 518 MCAT score. I have rigorous research. I'll get into medical school. It's just like, yeah. mm. maybe, maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. How many butts have you wiped? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. I'm done with referencing bowel movements for today. I mean, that's like the second or third time today. I know. I'm, I'm really on a roll. I did have some children visiting me this weekend, so like there was a lot more talk about it. But yeah, let's... Um, a friend's family. That sounded weird. <laughs> Let's move on. There you go, kids. I got some candy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no. Anyway, oh, what do schools think about criminal records, i.e. misdemeanors? How do you get accepted with these? I know of a doctor who got accepted with a DUI, so I know it's possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree that, you know, a lot of it's going to be timing. When was the DUI? Um, you know, something as a freshman is, is interpreted much, much more differently than something that happened last week. Uh, so I, I think that uh, they are going to look at that. Uh, they are going to look at, you know, what your explanation of the event was and kind of what you're saying about it. And, uh, so, you know, all those are going to be taken into consideration. If you're, if you have multiple things that all involve for example, alcohol, then that's going to worry an admissions committee. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, w- I would be, you know, just upfront uh, and say, say what happened, what the situation was, and, and then just uh, move on. Yep. All right. Yeah. And, and, and some schools, right, going down to the brass sack, some schools will automatically filter out anyone who checks yep. to having a misdemeanor. Yep. And other schools will want to see based on their yep. normal review process. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Hi. Started the application today. How would I go about listing multiple shadowing experiences, especially with the way AMCAS is formatted? Got a good got a good book about it. The pre-med playbook guide to the medical school application process. Available for pre-order. Yes. <laughs> uh, <One more> time. <laughs> list it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just list. Um, yeah. Dr. Smith. Otolaryngology, 10 hours. Dr. Johnson, ENT, ENT, same thing, turn it. Uh, Gastroenterology, <laughs> yeah. 20 hours, right? Just, just yeah. lists and, and give general time frame. And then for the contact information for the box, either the most recent person typically or maybe the person you have the best relationship with. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's no science behind that. Yeah. 99.9% chance that anyone will get called on that list. Right. 
My GPA was a 2.7 overall in undergrad due to two new developed illnesses and hurricanes. I now have maintained a 4.0 in a specialized graduate program. Can the higher GPA help me get into medical school? Yeah. Yep. It's what it's for. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Amcast said it takes 25 days to process transcripts. <laughs> is there a place to check if the time gets shorter, please? No. Amcast no. is horrible. No. Also, it's not going to get shorter. It's going to get longer. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's um, going to become 30 days and then 35 and then 40 and then 45. Yeah. I think um, somewhere in the handbook, I was just rereading it. It said we expect in peak season it to be eight weeks. Yeah. So the the later you apply, the longer it's going to take to get yourself verified. Yeah. I mean, that's she specifically asked about transcripts, but yeah, the whole thing's long. All right. Uh, and that's why we tell you to apply early because you're just basically getting in line to have this whole verification process done. Yeah. The later you apply, the more people are in line, the longer it takes, the longer it takes for your application to get sent to the school. Yeah, and it's just, it's a cluster. Yeah. <laughs> but TMDSAS, on the other hand, they got oh. their stuff in order. Yeah, they did. That, that delay isn't there. Nope. A Comus too, right? They're pretty the Comus quick. verification process is super quick. So Comus is similar to AMCAS where they verify before the schools can pull down mm -hmm. the information. Mm -hmm. uh, but a Comus, even in peak season, is is like a week or less. Yeah. Um, and, and, but TMDSAS is a little bit different because they don't different. have a verification process on the front end, right. um, mm -hmm. which I think is, is pretty smart because yeah. it's, it's basically like searching for a needle in a haystack when it literally the haystack there's nothing wrong with just send them to the schools and then do all the search afterwards. Yeah. That's so what, that's what TMD is. That's what, that's what Texas does. And, you know, it makes so much sense. And, and then the schools, you know, if, if they interviewed somebody and there's, there's something wrong with their transcript or they entered stuff in it correctly or clearly lied or something like that, then, they just pull them out of the mix. Yeah. Yeah. But he's yeah. right. Needle in the haystack is a very good metaphor there. So rare. It's not worth the delay. No, it's not. All right. Let's hear from Josh Premed. I wonder if that's his last name. <laughs> it's pronounced Premed. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what happens when he's Dr. Premed? Oh, no. I don't, I don't want him a doctor who's a Premed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should a story used in a personal statement about why medicine that was during one of your activities also be one of the activities chosen as most meaningful? This is a very common question we get yeah, a lot is. lately is, is how yeah. does personal statement activities relate to activities, activities, and does it have to be a most meaningful if I mention it here? And, and what if I don't have a letter of recommendation from something I mentioned in my personal statement? She's like, wow, you guys are thinking way too hard. About they, you're way overthinking it. <laughs> way, way overthinking it. Yeah. Uh -huh. The admissions committee is not going to get that granular <laughs> with it. And, you know, they're not going to say, wait a minute. You know, yeah, that's just not not going not gonna to happen. So, I, I, J Josh, don't overthink it. Just yeah. do what you think is, is best and do what you think is right and for you and, and, and you'll be yeah, and re remember, it's two separate things. One is 
at least my take on the personal statement is why do you want to be a doctor? And the, the things that you're talking about in your personal statement are going to be most meaningful to your journey to be a doctor. Why you're continued to, to chase this dream most meaningful for AMCAS. I I don't know the specific language that, uh, TMDSAS has for most meaningful, but, but let's say it's similar to AMCAS Mm -hmm. most meaningful for AMCAS doesn't mention most meaningful to your journey to be a doctor. It's just most meaningful to you as a person, Mm -hmm. as a human being in your life. You could have a hobby as a most meaningful experience. You could, you could have, um, a dancing ballet as a most meaningful experience, right? Things that just aren't related to medicine as most meaningful because mm-hmm. that is most meaningful to you as a human being. Yep. Yep. Now I will say, I, I will add to that, that I think if, you know, if you're choosing three most meaningful situations, I would hope that one of the three has something to do with medicine because that's, that sends a signal to the admissions committee that, Okay, you know, what you've done in medicine, whether it's a clinical activity or whatever, is impactful to you. And mm-hmm. and that's why one of the reasons why you're going into this health, you know, this profession is because it's impactful. I've seen applicants before where every every one of the most meaningful ones had nothing to do with anything. You know, it was like one of them was a hobby and one of them was, you know, they, they were just all very random, you know, and. So I, I would say, you know, think long and hard about what's what you consider to be meaningful and why you consider it to be meaningful. Choose what you want to choose. But, you know, I do think that for your own sake, in terms of your own thinking about things, hopefully what is meaningful to you is what you're wanting to do in life. You know, hope that makes sense. For people that have only e-shadowing experience, how do we add this on the application? I see that they require a number and email to be able to confirm your hours. But if it was online, that's not possible. So uh, for e-shadowing, I I have contact information at eshadowing.com on what to put on the application for me as contact information. Um, you just, you list it as normal shadowing hours mm-hmm. and then just explain that X number of hours were e-shadowing or all of them were e-shadowing or virtual shadowing, whatever the language is you want to use. Yeah. I wondered if this person used e-shadowing and wasn't referencing specifically your brand, which is part of where I put it on. Mm-hmm. So if you guys have been doing some form of web shadowing or virtual shadowing, and doing it with a group that's not certifying your hours, then yeah, that's tougher. Um, but what Ryan just said, he does allow you to have certification verification through his. And I know at least some of them do. Like I've talked to the web shadowing folks, and I know they they just posted something about doing their spring verification letters. So at least some of the e-shadowing or virtual shadowing opportunities are giving you a chance to count them. Yep. E-shadowing tonight with Dr. Judy Melanick, forensic pathologist, I think best-selling author of Working Stiff, amazing book about her her journey to be a forensic pathologist. So. Oh, cool. She's also the keynote at the um, West Coast Health Professions Fair. She is. Oh, that's awesome. Neat. All right. Got time for a few more. Mm-hmm. Is it a red flag to work in a research lab for several years and have no publications to show for it? 
Nope. <laughs> that's that's the joy of research. Sometimes yeah. you win, sometimes you lose. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why again, research in my mind is one of the most overrated things, especially publications, because there's so much luck that comes with being able to publish research. Yeah. Especially as a pre-med, you have to join the research lab at the right time that you're gathering enough data to be able to write it up into an abstract and get it approved for a publication. And just there's so many things that have to go right as a pre-med yeah. because you're coming in and out of these different situations. Yeah. It's just like, great, you have a publication. That doesn't mean you're better than someone who doesn't have a publication. It just means you timed it right, yeah. <laughs> luckily. Yeah, that's right. And and that and not only that you timed it right, but the timing was right for you. You had nothing to do with it, exactly. and it was just complete luck that yeah. you, you know, happened to get into a lab at a particular time when stuff was happening in the lab, yeah. and you know things yeah. really, you know, went you crazy. You jumped on that speeding train. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> only I made it go. <laughs> not the seven years of work before me. No. <laughs> I, I actually had just a, a follow-up uh, point to that. I had a great conversation with someone today. And she's like, well, like, how important is research? And I did this one thing where it really wasn't research. We were doing a lot of, of data review and, and trying to figure out this research that we want to do. And I said, no, that is research. Like, research is asking questions and trying to figure out what answers are already out there and what answers yep. you're looking for and how to think about answering those questions. Like when you're doing the lit, lit review about what's out there already and you're, you're trying to think about how you want to set up your study, like that is research. And so many people just think research is like micropipette. And it's just, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I have lots of thoughts on research. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> All right. Sorry, this is a duplicate, but I just saw that it is safest to use YouTube. <laughs> okay. Oh, that was a Facebook poster. We're not um, getting the private Facebook group comments. Oh, that's is, what... it, is it okay to take the MCAT without physics too and concurrently taking biochem if I am using blueprint prep? Rachel? Uh, is it okay? It is okay. It is not ideal, right? So a lot of times in the world of MCAT prep and admissions, we like to talk about, um, you know, optimal versus acceptable versus not acceptable. Optimal would be having biochem under your belt. I'm not as worried about physics too. I mean, I know physics can be a real challenge for some people, but there are only maybe like five or seven topics from physics too that are going to come up on the MCAT and physics is usually a relatively small percentage of the MCAT. Um, one challenge here is that all MCAT forms are different. So you never know, you could end up with a physics heavy day. Um, and again, all MCAT forms are different, but biochem can show up in the bio section. It also shows up in chem phys because the full name of that section is chemical and physical foundations of biological systems. And it can show up in psych-soch, it's pretty small, but 5% of the psych-social section could be um, the neuroscience. So you're getting some biochem there. Um, so if you don't have one semester of biochem and have a really, really solid foundation, it could impact your content knowledge in three sections. Um, so all that to say, 
if now is the right time and you need to take the MCAT prep now and you don't have biochem yet, it's going to be okay. You're going to have to work a lot harder to be sure you've mastered the biochem because MCAT prep assumes you're reviewing and you're going to be learning it cold. Hope that helps. Yeah. Uh, should we? Oh, yeah, we got room for one more, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it bad if majority of your clinical experience comes from caring for a family member? Hmm. My answer is yes. Yeah, I, I would say I, I agree with that. Uh, I think that if you, if the majority of it, because caring for a family member is very different than caring for from a random person. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, you know, you need to recognize that there are biases built into family members, both positive and negative. And, uh, and that's not what you're going to find when you are caring for patients in the real world. And so I would say, yeah, you need to get some experience with uh, in in other areas. Yeah. Does that mean a student who has, let's say, 500 hours of caring for a family member, just because those hours add up quickly, potentially, does that mean they should wait to apply to medical school until they have more than 500 hours caring for that family member? Should they just get a good chunk of hours? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. I agree with that. What you just said, Ryan. I, I would say in the process of of doing that and recognize that 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 this is a a um, a weakness of your application, and uh, and really work on that and pointedly work on that, intentionally work on that particular area of your application, yeah. and recognize if you're in the if you're in the midst of the application cycle that if you had to reapply, that that may have been you know, one of the chief reasons why you might have to reapply and that during your application year, you want to be working on uh, expanding that clinical activities, um, those, those lists of clinical activities so that, so that in that next application year, you're, you're in a much better position. Yeah. If it, if it became necessary. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, Potentially, still the majority of hours, but at least they they are working on on that. Yeah, experience. yeah. Maybe you're working on your what you're working on is the percentage yeah. of the hours. You're you're making the percentage of the hours that were for the family member smaller as you go along and pull in more other activities. Yep. Yep. Carson is sad because we didn't answer any of his questions. So so I was looking through his questions and. Uh, let's, let's try to answer one. One of I, them. I was is, looking, I couldn't find any Carson questions. Yeah, they're, they're here. Oh, okay. Uh, here's one. We love you, Carson. Here's one. How okay. does it look if you take extra semesters to graduate? Well, coming from someone who was on the five-year plan myself. <laughs> uh, that explains a lot now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think it's a problem. I, 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 you know, there's a lot of reasons why people take extra semesters. Yep. They're working, or there's an interruption of some type because of illness or, or family. Yeah, and- double majoring. Could, there could be a lot of reasons for that, and so I, I don't think that. Again, I don't think that medical schools are looking that granularly at an application and saying, "Well, this person took an extra three semesters," and I'm wondering why. So, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. Um, I So for all of you who ask questions that we didn't get to, that doesn't mean that they weren't important or anything else just means 
we picked the questions that we picked and we didn't pick yours. Um, but we do have a lot of content. The Ask the Dean that we're doing live today, we have uh, 30 or 40 of them actually published on YouTube already. Those are mostly the private ones that we do for our mapped members. Mm -hmm. So go listen, uh, go watch. It's in podcast form as well if you want to uh, just uh, follow in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, mm -hmm. and you can listen to us drone on and on about how lovely uh, pre-med, the pre-med process is. So cool. Right. Yeah. And I'll add to that. So with the Ask the Deans, if you search in Google, um, it'll give you time steps. So you can always jump right to the specific question. And then, um, you know, I think Ryan said this at the beginning of the session, if you join MAPT, you can you can come to ask the dean every week. We do them public once a month, but map members get them every single week. So come hang out with us. Yeah, mapped again. Leaving beta tomorrow. Go to mapped.com today. Sign up to get uh, our beta prices locked in. Yeah. Have a great yeah. night, everyone. Bye, Bye, everybody. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.